and they go all out. They have all of the alcohol, all of the drugs. All of the drugs. (laughs) They're literally snorting cocaine off of serving trays at one point. Oh my gosh. Welcome to Red Wine Reads, a community of book lovers talking about our favorite and not-so-favorite books while pouring a glass or two of wine. I'm your host, Jenna Miller, and with me today is the lovely Abby Williams. Now, before we start, I should warn you that we do spoil the endings of the books we review, so if you don't like that, then please go finish the book and come right back to us. My goal is to have you read these books with us so you can participate in this conversation. At the beginning of each month, I outline the books that we will be reviewing, so whether you want to read one, none, or all of them, the choice is up to you. These reviews are not backed by any science or experience, just purely to opinionated amateur readers. So, you may hate the books we love or love the books we hate. Everyone has different tastes, but we hope this podcast is fun to listen to, no matter how you like your books. So, without further ado, let's pull some corks and get reading. This week, we read Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. show Abby. Thanks for having me Jenna. Thanks for coming back. You know the first one was a little rough but we've grown. We've changed. We've become more responsible. We actually finished the book within a relative time period to when we're recording this. (laughs) That is also true. Yes. I actually wrote down notes. Nice. I'm proud of you. I, I read this in like two days so that's good but. That tells you something. Yeah I mean it didn't take me two months to read it because, you know, some books do, you know, when you're just like, this is not good, but you started it. So therefore you have to finish it. You yeah. have to finish it. kind of mm-hmm. how I felt about our last book. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. offense, Debbie, but. Uh, <laughs> I, Poor I, Debbie. She's just going to keep yeah. getting pulled into this. <laughs> well, when you, you, you write a bad book, you got, you're going to expect it, you know? Yeah. We're sorry. Just not our cup of tea. It wasn't. It wasn't. I'm sure someone else liked it. Not us, though. (laughs) Somewhere out there. (laughs) Not us, though. (laughs) Are you drinking anything tonight? You know what? It's still a little early where I am, but I have discussed maybe... I'm not really a white wine fan, but uh, I think me and my sister might go get a bottle so I can, you know, feel the water, test the water a little bit. What are you drinking, Jenna? Oh, I'm not drinking anything either. I have a slight headache. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Add on to that. It's mostly because I, it's one of those days where I have not drinking enough water and I've just like furiously cleaned my entire house. Um, so and like organized everything, you know, when you get in that mode. Nice. So let's dive right in. I'm going to start out with a little bit about the author and a little bit about the book. I actually came prepared for this podcast. So so proud of you. I know. <laughs> so we are reading Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. So she is um, the author who is famously popular for writing the book Daisy Jones and the Six. Uh, that became super popular, I think, right at, during the pandemic. Um Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. That was her other popular book. And um, she actually started in the film business. So I think that actually says a lot to how she writes because it it reads very um, like movie-like almost where you're getting all these scenes kind of stitched together. 
And so um, I think that plays to um, why I think I liked her books so much. Because <laughs> it felt like you were watching a movie when you're reading it. No, I totally agree. And then, so this book in particular, Malibu Rising, it was published in June 2021, um, and Hulu is actually looking at making it a series. And uh, they're, the executive producer who's heading it up is the same executive producer of Little Fires Everywhere, which makes me a little nervous. <laughs> that wasn't my favorite adaptation, but... That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense, though. Um, but this book actually received a 4.1 on Goodreads, which is, like, ridiculously good on Goodreads. And I have to agree, so. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, okay. Excited to dive into this. Let's kind of get in. Um, so, kind of some main characters here as we get into this novel. We have Mick Riva, who's this famous singer. Um, he's the father of the children that this book centers around who are uh, Nina, Kit, Jay, and Hud. And he reminds me of a Frank Sinatra type. So he's coming up in the 60s, 60s and kind of into the 70s. Very soulful singer. He uh, grows up in, um, he moves to Malibu when he's young and he meets his wife June there. And so then um, June and Mick have three kids, or four kids, like I said. So, well, okay, they have three kids <laughs> together. <laughs> It's complicated. Yes. Nina is the oldest child of June and Mick, and she ends up becoming a famous surf model. Um, she's really one of those people who likes to please everyone, never really does anything for herself, and didn't ever really want to become a model, but just had to do it in order to get some money because she was kind of left to take care of her family when her mom died at um, when they were all kind of still in high school and, into, um, and even younger with Kit. So then you have Jay, who's the second oldest child of June and Mick. He's a very loud and outspoken guy. He's a famous surfer. He's kind of a little arrogant, um, but it works to his favor. And then there's Hud. And so he's thought of as kind of Jay's twin because they are relatively the same age. But Hud was actually the kid of another woman that Mick had slept with, but June um, kind of took him in after the mother showed up at her doorstep and just kind of dropped her kid off. And so now um, HUD is, you know, takes a bunch of pictures of Jay to help him get on the cover of all these famous surf magazines. So he's kind of in the background. He also ends up dating and then ends up impregnating uh, Jay's ex-girlfriend. So that's very scandalous. Spicy. <laughs> And then you have Kit, who is the youngest of the Riva children, and she also wants to become a pro surfer, but nobody really takes her seriously because she's a girl. She's also kind of different. She's not really the girly girl model-esque type as her older sister, um, not really kind of the motherly figure like her sister had to adopt at an early age. And so um, she's definitely more assertive, a little bit more outspoken. Um, and those are kind of our main characters of the book. Did I miss anyone? I don't think so. I mean, later on, there's some, some, there's one person I'm thinking of, but minor, minor detail later on at the, at the party. Um, but yeah, I mean, Mick is trash. June was just a sweet little soul, but I kind of ended up not liking her either because you can't, she couldn't help herself. Uh, Nina, she's a little butt kisser, man. Like, but we love her, you know? Like, you gotta love her. But yeah, I honestly 
like, really good character development in this book. For sure. Yeah. And that was one of my big things as well. So this book centers around um, one single night. So this takes place um, Saturday, August 27th, 1983. So this book starts at 7 a.m. on that morning and then doesn't end until or 6 a.m. the next morning. So it goes from 7 a.m. on that Saturday to 6 a.m. on that Sunday. So it's really just this whole day into the night. And this centers around this one party with some flashbacks to how Mick Riva came to fame and how he came to meet June and kind of the backstory of our four kids that this book kind of focuses on. And so we start off um, by finding out, you know, Nina must have a lot of money because she lives in this huge house that is on the cliffs of Malibu. You're kind of left to wonder how she came to all this money. You think, okay, you know, kind of in the early part of the book, you think, okay, you know, she's this famous daughter of this famous singer. That's probably how they became rich and famous. Um, but you find out that no, actually Mick left his wife, June, kind of, he meets her, falls in love with her, wants to start a family with her and marries her and really wins over her and her family. And then ends up, you know, falls into the temptations of the road of a famous musician. So he sleeps with a lot of women, a lot. (laughs) He ends up marrying like, I think five or six women. Golly, it just kept going back to his part. And it was like, so he got married again. And I was like, homie, like, stop. Yeah. And he, so he abandons June pretty early on. And so she has these four kids, um, like we said. And she ends up starting to become an alcoholic. They're running out of money um, because Mick's not supporting them anymore. And June's kind of the only person that's working, and her family owns this uh, seafood kind of crab shack deal in Malibu, and so that's really their only source of income, and once June's parents die, they kind of have not a whole lot of support there, and so then June ends up um, taking a bath one night and drowning in the bath because she passes out, which is really, really sad, and then Nina finds her the the oldest of the kids which is even worse and so she kind of takes the role as the mom and she starts working at the shack and she really starts to you know try to put these kids put her siblings through school make sure they can get into college make sure they can you know have a have as much of a childhood as possible and she ends up being discovered on the beach and then she starts a modeling career falls in love with this famous tennis player thinks that she has this beautiful life ahead of her and then he ends up doing the exact same thing Mick Riva does and leaves her for another famous tennis player and so she's left heartbroken and that's kind of where we pick up on the story um, in the present day so we pick up with her her husband had just walked out on her he just said you know I'm leaving and didn't really give her much of a response as to why and He's the worst. I like. But I guess um, Nina has this crazy party every year um, and people find out about it and it's in the 80s. So it's before texting and Snapchat and Instagram. So you don't know where it is unless you're invited to it or unless you kind of overhear someone that's talking about it. And it's at her house up on the hill and they go all out. They have all of the alcohol, all of the drugs. All of the drugs. <laughs> They're literally snorting cocaine off of serving trays at oh, one point. Oh my gosh. 
I don't even know if she was aware half the time because she was a little distracted, but it's fine. And then um, we meet Casey later on in the party, who is another child of Mick Riva's, which is, oh, I should say, alleged child. They don't really know for sure, but they kind of know for sure. Well, yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. So that's just absurd. So you meet Casey. And then Mick Riva ends up showing up to the party. And so that causes a lot of ruckus. Um, Kit, the youngest, is dealing with feelings that she is now, uh, thinks she may be into girls and not boys after she makes out with a boy and is like, this is the worst. (laughs) She's like, not for me. (laughs) And so she's dealing with this inner conflict of hers, trying to, you know, find out who, what her identity is as a young woman growing up in the 80s with a model sister who's kind of done everything perfect up until then. And then you have the two boys who are fighting over a girl um, because HUD has ended up hooking up with uh, Jay's ex, so brother feud there, and he ends up getting her pregnant. To be fair, they are, HUD and the ex-girlfriend are in love, and they're honestly one of my favorite couples in in the book. (laughs) No, they are very cute. They're very much in love. So they decide, you know, we're going to tell Jay, we're going to do this thing, like, you know, they both are like, we never had any doubts that we want to have this baby together. So cute. So they have this whole conversation on this on the beach. They walk back up to the house and then Jay has found oh. <laughs> Jay found um, photos of HUD and his soon to be, I guess, wife, if they're, you know, getting together. Um, just we'll say explicit photos. <laughs> we knew it was going to happen from the, the, the moment that Reed literally wrote, like, he pulled out the camera and she started undressing. I was like, this is going to come back to bite him in the butt. Yes. So Jay finds out that his brother is um, sleeping with his ex. And so then as soon as Jay comes up from the beach after having this great conversation with, you know, the love of his life, just gets the absolute shit beat out of him. (laughs) 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 Like... Like, broken nose, probably a few broken ribs, maybe a little internal bleeding. For sure. He's um, he's in bad shape. And Mick... But does he go to the hospital right <laughs> no. away? No. No, because Mick shows up to the party. They're like, oh my god, that's, that's our dad. Um, they have a little family get-together down at the beach. <laughs> and I think that was, like, one of the most moving scenes I've ever read in a book. Because it wasn't your storybook ending where they're like oh dad we like are so happy you're back in our lives like you know family reunion like you know Nina's like no that was not okay but I actually think that was the first time we actually saw Nina stand up for herself she was like no I don't care what you want like this is about me you you wronged me you left me like you can't just waltz back in here yep and that was after you know Nina her you know ex-husband comes back to the party and he proclaims his love for her and then she takes him back because he asks her in front of an entire crowd of people and she's like I can't just like say no to this guy but like she could have you know (laughs) like she totally could have and so she's getting walked over by so many people and this is like her first chance of saying like no actually this is this is what I'm thinking anyone who comes across her gets exactly what they want and never what she wants even when guys are, like, objectifying her and touching her in places that she doesn't want to be touched, it's, like... 
Oh, that literally made my skin crawl every time she was wearing that t-shirt, like soft to the touch. And the men was just like, oh, I need to see if it's true. Ugh, I, I felt, I honestly just felt so bad for her. Like it's hard. Cause like the entire time it was like, you could see that like internal struggle she had where she was like, I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to do this, but I have to, because it's providing for my family. And so it's just like, it's just one of those other times where she just would let people walk on her as long as she could help her siblings. And it was just like, ugh. I think that's pretty much it. They end um, with Nina proclaiming that she wants to go to Portugal and kind of just surf and just get out of Dodge, <laughs> like get out of the spotlight and leave. And so she ends up leaving. Kit is kind of now on the track to becoming a really good surfer and wants to become a pro surfer. And Jay is now on his decline because we actually found out that he had a heart issue. And so he'll no longer be able to surf, which, like, that's his entire identity. So now he has to reshift his focus onto, like, what he's going to do. And so that may be being Kit's manager and seeing what happens there. And then HUD, and then HUD is going to go live out the rest of his days with his lovely girlfriend and their baby. Right. And I guess we should emphasize, too, that the book kind of starts off talking about all the fires within Malibu. Um, And so then it's like, you know, at the very beginning that a fire happens. And so that's what the entire book is kind of leading up to, which is funny because it resolves very quickly. And it's as if no one cares that Nina's house burned down at the end. Um, but yeah, that kind of contributed to like, hey, it's good that I left for Portugal. You think this fire is going to be this big thing that like the party starts this huge fire and it actually is just Mick Riva's butt of his cigarette. That's just lights the, you know, dryness of Malibu on fire. To- totally. <laughs> I just thought it was a little nonchalant. Like, okay, there's, there's going to be this huge fire at the end. Um, is it symbolic? Like, is it the entire family's just going to combust? Like, what's what's happening? And then, nope, just a little flick of a cigarette. No one cared that the entire house burned down. <laughs> you know, I have to say, like, I honestly, that I really liked it ending that way. Oh, I did too. Totally. The whole time I was expecting a really big climax of some sort to happen. I was thinking, you know, at one point, this guy brings out a gun. Uh, You know, there are people doing really hard drugs. There are people at this party that are getting absolutely obliterated. They're literally Sia and swinging from a chandelier, like... Yes. So I was fully expecting this to end, and someone's getting shot. Jay's getting mad. He's shooting his brother. Mix, get, you know, shows up. Everyone's mad. He's getting shot. Like, some, someone is going to die. And, like, I think Taylor Reed Jenkins, what she does really well is she tries to trick you into that, too. Because on page 107, um, it would be the last time they all surfed together, even though Jay did not know what would happen over the course of the evening, did not know just what awaited them all. He did know that. And so you're like, oh, like someone's going to die. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> and I, I almost love that that wasn't the case. Like, I love that the twist wasn't what you thought it was going to be. Exactly. Well, I love books that are like that, where like I genuinely, again, I didn't know where it was headed. I knew that there was going to be a fire. That was evident. But you didn't know, like, one, how, where there was going to be a fire, how it would affect them. 
And like, that's the funny thing is like, when I say that Nina's entire home burned down, it literally was like, it burned down, you know? So I was like, oh my gosh, this is going to be life altering. And it's just, it is life altering, but it wasn't because of the fire, you know, but it is very symbolic in a, in a way that all of them kind of who they were, um, despite like their dad leaving and all that, it kind of did crumble down a little bit only to be rebuilt. And I think that was like one of my favorite parts of the book. Mm-hmm. And I loved like you said, you mentioned earlier too, the character development in this book is like phenomenal. It's really hard. This is like always my biggest complaint for books like this is like you have so many characters and you don't spend enough time with them. And I feel like honestly, out of Mick, June, and the kids, everyone got their moment. Everyone kind of got their storyline. Well, not only that, but like that, I just feel like Taylor Jenkins reads like ability to go into character development in very few words because think about it even at the party she went into details about guests that were at the party and like you felt like you knew them and I'm just like how did you manage to do this in like so little time it was so good yeah I don't know I think going into detail of some of the guests at the party made sense but then there were some that like I was a little like it didn't contribute to the story at all. I was like, why did we need to know this? They weren't even, like, related to the Rivas at all. And I was like... The two... Cu- like, the couple that, like, is kind of the nerdy guy. And then, like, the... Um, I think she's, like, a movie script... Oh, yeah. Re- like, reader. <laughs> I was just like, I don't think these two needed to be in here. Or even, like, the newscast... Caster, yeah. like do Like, I was like, what... Why do we need to know about them? Yeah, some of the side characters were like, I don't know if that was completely necessary. Um, maybe we could have focused kind of more like Project X style of just like the immense like craziness of this party. We could kind of maybe focus more on that, but it, it you know, whatever. But I think she focused on the main characters of the book well enough that it didn't, you know, have a huge impact, though I don't think it was completely necessary. I love the you know, introduction of, you know, a gun or, like, of this, like, massive amounts of cocaine or, like, Nina's friend who's, this is getting out of control. Like, something bad is going to happen. And she calls the cops and ends up getting arrested. (laughs) Well, I think that's what was interesting, too, is, like, there were so many factors that could have just been, like, okay, well, this is why this party is so crazy. But none of them actually ended up really being an issue. But, like, yeah, you're totally right. Like, I was I was either, like, anxious. I was, like, they are snorting cocaine off trays. Servers are literally carrying around, like, I'm like we have a movie star down on the tennis courts tripping hard acid and you and you leave her there and then you like go follow a different storyline and you're like wait is she okay is she good (laughs) she good yeah and like I don't know like the friend uh who worked at the restaurant and then was moving back home because she was trying to be an actress or whatever she was like having like a threesome in the hot tub and I'm just like what is happening here? Like, are, is everyone just watching? Like, <laughs> sitting around a bonfire? Like, I kind of love that, that, like, she's like, you know, I'm going back to my boring life. I'm going back to, like, the, like, safe choice. I'm just going to go balls go, to the wall. Go out with a <laughs> bang. And she did. She did. I think just, like, is the epitome of what you think of California in the 80s, kind of what you think of Southern California in the 80s where it's just drugs, rock and roll, movie stars, and failed actors. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I think that kind of, I think that the author used that 
to kind of distinguish Nina from the rest of them and why she didn't fit where she was. You know what I mean? Like while everyone else is snorting cocaine, Nina is eating cheese and crackers in a, in a, in a pantry. So it's like that too. Like, I don't know. It's just, I think she used that also to her advantage for that character development. You know, you're like, okay, let's, let's show and compare what she's like compared to the other characters. And I read this New York Times review and I thought it was so funny because I think I think the person who's writing I, I, I honestly don't remember who who was the author, but it felt like a very like New Yorker thing to say about a um, California book, but she said that like the the dialogue between characters seemed really lazy. That that almost sounded like <laughs> like how everyone kind of views Californians of like you know, they're lazy. They're like just doing what interesting. They well, like need you also, do. you also have to think about it though. Like most of the dialogue that does happen is between siblings. Yeah. So it's not lazy. It's this is the it's, people I like have lived with. Um, she goes, reads dialogue, wants to capture the tone of the young, the beautiful and athletic, but much of it feels lazy to the point of being cringeworthy. Dialogue and monologue can be juvenile, filled with repeated expletives that can't be quoted here, but wear thin and detract from the overall effect rather than adding to the portrait of these characters. Well, they're juvenile because these are kids. (laughs) Well, and that's what I was going to say, too. Let's talk about that. Nina didn't graduate from high school. It's not like she's going to have some eloquent, eloquent, like, super thing. Yeah, and then the rest of them are kids. Like, they are barely 20. Like, (laughs) they literally grew up on the beach. I don't know. So I'm that gonna, that I'm just gonna, like struck me, and I was like, hmm. I, I don't. don't I don't think she's you. ever been to California. <laughs> That'd be important if you're gonna read this book. Like that's what's funny too. It's like she's very good at. I, I think environment and setting is really important in this. Like even just the fact that Nina's like up on this cliff overlooking the ocean, all this stuff. Like that obviously plays a part to all of them. Surfing is super big, and so like. I think it'd be important if you're going to read this book, you got to be able to picture it. You got to see for yourself, like what they're looking at, because like, that's one of the what parts, like they feel closest when they're all in the water together too. So it's kind of that like sibling, like common grounds, like doesn't matter what we've been through. We don't, it doesn't matter that our dad left. It doesn't matter that we've had so many obstacles. Like as soon as our boards hit the water, like we're good. So it's like, you need to, whoever was writing that, she needs to go to California Maybe get on a surfboard. Yeah, I was going to say go surfing. <laughs> Try it out for yourself. I don't know. Yeah. It's just that. We kind of touched on it through this, throughout this thing, but were there any things that like you didn't love about this book? I guess my only thing I touched on was, you know, the sideline characters that kind of got mentioned and maybe weren't super necessary. Honestly, really one of my few qualms with this book. Yeah, so I had one... I'm- I don't know how to say her name if it's Laura or Laura because it's spelled Laura and I just hope that it's actually Laura. So I'm going to say that. What happened? What happened to her? So for all of you, Jay, yes, Jay found out that his brother was sleeping with his ex-girlfriend. But also in this book, you find out that he has found this new girl that he is like obsessed with, totally in love with. Um, and uh, he's kind of a... Uh, a word I probably shouldn't say to her at this party um, because she basically says like, Hey, I don't think I'm on the same level as you. Um, But like what happened with that? Like he was so in love with her. And then all of a sudden, like he sends her away, like basically kicks her out of the party. And then there's absolutely nothing that happens with that. I didn't like that. 
Especially because she had been there for him dirt when he found out about his heart condition. Like, all this stuff. So I was like, okay, if you're going to... It, it should have had some sort of, like, even him just being like, hey, like, this isn't going to work out, but, like, I'm sorry, you know? Yeah, I almost think she was kind of used as a as a way to kind of show Jay's, like, obsessive tendencies mm. of, like, when he when he gets hyper-focused on something, it's, like... Takes over. Yeah, and at one point it was his surfing. At one point it was his girlfriend. At one point it was the breakup. At one point it's this, you know, this long-legged, beautiful woman. And then when he finds the photos, his attention is shifted to now, like, what am I going to do about HUD? And I almost, yeah, like, in my head, that's kind of what I see him, is, like, he's just... I think it was just strange to me because, like, repeatedly he said this. He was like, I don't really care about Ashley, which is the name of the ex-girlfriend whose HUD is now with. But, like, he's like, yeah, I didn't really, I was never in love with her. And, like, that happened for several girls that he would, like, talk about. So, so it was so different from the other ones. So you're totally right. Like, it does show how he's just, like, fixated on things. But I was also kind of like, well, she seemed different to you. Yeah. And then he just pushes her away. Right. So I was just kind of like, okay. Um, And also, one thing I didn't like, and I I don't know if you would feel the same way, but at the end, so Kit and Casey kind of hit it off. So now they're siblings or that we know of, we're kind of assuming here. But it almost felt like Kit definitely was taking over for Nina in that like role. Like, let me be your big sister now. Uh, or, like, kind of your mother, which I didn't like because the entire book was showing how, like, that's so much to put on a young person. Like, you can't substitute for a parent in a way. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really like that either. But, I mean, honestly, I would not be mad if she did, like, a sequel. I mean, a prequel. Dang it, sequel. What am I saying? <laughs> prequel, sequel, all of the above. Uh, to this and kind of, like, I don't know, see what Jay's doing, see, like, HUD see where Kit and Casey are. I think that would be kind of interesting. Yeah, like follow Kit's professional journey. That would be Yeah. So let's get into our final final ratings. So I think for me, um, I think honestly I'll give it a four. I'll give it four stars. Very nice. I don't don't think I'm quite there just because I still – I'm like one of those people I really want redemption, you know? Like if a character is just absolutely terrible, I want them to be redeemed. Mick kind of had that, but it wasn't long enough to be like, oh, he stayed, you know? So, like, he was the transformed man. But, so, I, I think I would still give it probably, like, a 3.8. Not quite a 4, though. You know? You know? I love that. <laughs> I love that. Awesome. Well, we like to end our show with a segment called Pairings, where Abby and I will pick our, uh, we'll pick some TV shows, movies, and other books that might pair well with today's book. So let's start off with a TV show if you have one. <laughs> yeah, so this is actually just ironic considering what you told us at the beginning of the show about who's now producing the new show. But uh, just in terms of like, okay, start, you know that there's a fire. You know there's, uh, uh, it's going to happen. This is all going to lead up to that. Um, I did think that it was kind of similar to Little Fires Everywhere. <laughs> nice. So um, kind of with that, I guess this could be like book and tv series you're you're gonna judge me i'm obsessed with bridgerton too right now (laughs) and i was like poor anthony and kate 
they both have all this familial like responsibility they have to like watch out for their siblings they never do anything for themselves and I was like that's Nina that is Nina so I guess that could kind of be for tv show yeah Again, this is kind of a stretch, but it was very much more um, on, like, feelings. My TV show would be High Fidelity with Zoe Kravitz. Uh, she's going through a really nasty breakup and really trying to figure out who she is through music, through the arts, through kind of her friends and, you know, her life in New York. And so I think um, her character specifically relates also with Nina um, as this person, you know, who kind of wrapped themselves and their identity in others and now is trying to kind of unravel themselves from that and kind of figure out what she wants what her future looks like and so if you kind of like that idea of that idea of identity and finding oneself and that like journey to find oneself I think you'll really like that show what about a movie this one is interesting I doubt you have seen this movie to be honest I grew up watching it but it's called Raising Helen it's with Kate Hudson. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So basically what happens is these parents get in a car accident. Um, so they end up passing away. And then guardianship of their three kids um, goes to their aunt. And their aunt is like super young still. She's only in her 20s. She's working like in high fashion, all this stuff. And so then basically she becomes their guardian and kind of has to – rearrange her life a little bit and try to navigate like what it's like to to kind of raise kids who aren't that far from her age and she doesn't know how to be a mom uh she kind of had to quit her job like just needed to provide so I definitely think that it was a, it, it's a movie a lot about like familial relationships and like what you need to do even sacrifices for your family and I think that was a big theme of obviously Malibu Rising so definitely think it would be a good pair for this this book Awesome. I was going back and forth between two, but since you picked a Kate Hudson movie, I will um, save my Kate Hudson movie for another time. So my other one was A Star is Born, Bradley Cooper and Lady Gaga. Um, God bless them both. I know. It's so good. I mean, it's very plain and simple, the, you know, relationship between the two, but just that struggle with the idea of fame and how... Um, and how fame and trying to stay relevant, especially I think follows like Mick Riva's story more so in the flashbacks, but just how, how do you kind of deal with everyone knowing your business, everyone wanting to be involved in everything in your life and how that really gets to you. Uh, you know, what's funny is last <laughs> night I just watched the movie Spencer, which uh -huh. is about Princess Diana and kind of that same thing where like she was just overcome by like the paparazzi and stuff. To totally random but kind but of relevant to that as yeah well. similar similar idea so mm -hmm. there you go if you need um if you kind of want to follow that that trope of uh of fame and how to deal with it you could watch spencer or you could watch a star is born and lastly a book so this is the one i struggled with <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna stick to my Bridgerton one because that's all I got. But yeah, there's it's funny because a ton of books like if you look up like what are kind of like books that are like this, a lot will pop up. But I have not read any of them, so I was like I can't really recommend that. Um, so yeah, what was your book? Mine was the Unraveling of Cassidy Holmes. I would say they're cousins, uh, not sisters, in terms of books. They have, like, very um, similar storylines. But 
um, the unraveling Cassidy Holmes kind of, you know, uh, it takes uh, the story of a band of like a girl band and then it flashes forward into the future after um, one of their bandmates ends up committing suicide. And so it kind of flashes back and forth between present day and um, kind of the right, the rising of stardom that this, this group of girls had and kind of uh, their journey and then what, you know, led up to this point. It's a very, very good book. Uh, and I think if you like, you know, the, if you like the fame and the music stars and the rock and roll and kind of the LA scene, I think you'd really like this book. Um, it's a thick boy though. I think it's like 500 pages or 600 pages. So it's a, I feel like those are better. Cause like for this book, I finished it and was like, I need more. So yeah, that'll, that'll be good. Yeah. It's a big guy, but it's very good. Alrighty. Well, that's the show. Thanks Abby for a great conversation as per usual. <laughs> Oh, of course. Thanks for having me, Jenna. We didn't trash this book, so that's good. So that's good. Stay tuned for our next one. I secretly hope we trash it. I do too. It's more fun yeah. that way. Well, that's the show. Thanks so much for listening. If you liked it, please give it five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. And if you want more book-related content, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at Podcast. That's at R-W-R-E-A-D-S-P-O-D-C-A-S-T. Again, that's at Podcast on Instagram and TikTok. Stay tuned for our Small Sips episode where we do a 10-minute deep dive on any book-related topic. And this week is a very special one because it is our June preview. So stay tuned to hear which books we are reading this month. And as a little sneak peek, next Monday, we are reading L.A. Woman by Eve Babbitt. So you really don't want to miss it. It's going to be a fun one because we get to talk with the Eve Babbitt's fangirl herself, Ella Kopakin. Until next week, keep your books open and your drink glasses full. Thanks all.